Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everybody, into the Big Ten Show. I am your host, Adam character We got a lot to talk about today. We're talking about Caitlin Clark, the probably the greatest college women's basketball player of all time. There's other cases to be made. Most of those women wore the UConn jersey. A couple of them wore the Baylor jersey. Okay, things of that nature. When you look at just the straight basketball credentials, but I want to talk about Caitlin Clark just a little bit to top off the show or to start off the show. Then we're going to get into my way too early. Big 10 football power rankings, my top 10 teams, and a couple of honorable mentions as well, and why they weren't just quite put in the top 10, and then some teams that just got a long freaking ways to go before we start football up in September. But we're gonna, I'm going to get my top 10 way too early Big 10 preseason power rankings. That was a mouthful. Also, the NFL draft, not too far away. I'm going to give my top 10 Big 10 players as it stands right now, Okay, post-senior bowl, pre-combine, heading in to the NFL draft, which is only a couple of months away, ladies and gentlemen. But before we dive into this, light that candle. Make sure you see what our friends at the Jacobson Seed Company are all about. They are your healthy hybrid advantage. Farmers, thanks for watching the Big Ten show, but we can give you more than great Big Ten coverage. We can help you with your fields. Go to jacobsonseed.com. Jacobson Seed, your healthy Hybrid advantage that is jacobsonseed.com. All right, let's start right off the top. Now, their top transfer portal addition is quarterback Dylan Gabriel. Rumors are that Shadur Sanders is going to be the top rated quarterback in the upcoming NCAA college football game. Rumors are his rating is 95. Rumors are, rumor and innuendo, Dylan Gabriel, who portalated for a little bit in the transfer portal, then went up to Eugene. He did a little portalating, is going to be a 94, number two. That those are the rumors. Okay, for those of you uh, gaming nerds like myself out there. You know, I used to play that game all the time in college. And right about the time that my son, who's 14, became old enough to play that game, just start to learn X and O and all that stuff, they, they took it away. They took it away. Thanks a lot, Sam Keller. Thanks, Sam. Nebraska guy. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. All right, I digress. My point is simply this. I look forward to playing that game with my son. Because let's be honest, Madden's not very good. And it it hard it it doesn't get better. It just gets progressively not good every year. So I look forward to playing an actual football game that is actually good. But let's get back to the topic at hand. All right, prior to Ohio State's run in the transfer portal, Oregon was entering the offseason as the Big Ten's top team in 2024 at that point in time, anyways, in my opinion. The Ducks may be losing Bo Nix, among others, but with Dylan Gabriel now a quarterback, they shouldn't miss a beat in 2024. This is not just your small, fast Oregon Ducks team of the past. This is a team that's physical up front. This is a team that wants to run the ball, wants to play defense, wants to tackle, and can score. This is a team that is a true national title type contending type team. All right, next up is Ohio State. I've talked about them a ton on the Big Ten show the past couple of weeks. I probably got them preseason number two, maybe number one either Georgia or them right now. Oregon would be in my top five somewhere if I did an overall college football preseason top five. Now, their top, I mean, they, they got a couple of top <laughs> transfer portal additions this offseason. The one I'm going to name, the two I'm going to name are safety Caleb Downs from Bama. This was a big-time addition. 
Okay. I'm going to name a couple more, actually. Quinshawn Judkins, the best running back in the entire SEC conference out of Ole Miss, comes and joins Ohio State. Okay, who already had a great running back. Then you got Will Howard, the Kansas State quarterback, who isn't without his flaws, but he's going to add an extra dynamic with his legs. Okay. So I got to imagine that after watching their arch rival win a national championship this past season, Ohio State, that's got to be a major motivating reason as to why they've been so aggressive this offseason, especially in the transfer portal nabbing. And again, here's some names, the likes of Will Howard, Julian Sane, Quinshawn Junkins, Caleb Downs. If you talk to Ohio State fans, some of them are incredibly impatient. And they're running out of patience with Ryan Day, which boggles my mind. And I get most of them feel like he he started out on third base because Urban Meyer handed him the program. That's how they feel. Okay. Some other Ohio State fans feel like this. Ryan Day's program is set to return a majority of their impact players and they're, they're ready to turn a corner. They feel like Michigan's not the Michigan they've been for the past three years. This is the best team they've had, which gives them the end, the edge in the Big Ten, which gives them a potential first-round buy in the CFP playoffs, the 12-team format. We'll talk about that format briefly here in a minute because it just changed, I believe, yesterday, maybe the day before. And I believe Ohio State fans are really, really excited going into this year. I'm not going to lie. Like I said, I got them number one in the Big Ten, Oregon number two right now. Then I got Ohio State number two in the entire country. Behind Georgia at the moment, I may eventually swap them. My my biggest hesitation at the moment, really, is how is Will Howard going to play as an overall whole? He's a good quarterback. But remember, he was kind of losing his job at Kansas State to a true freshman a year ago, which is one major reason he entered the transfer portal. So he's a really, really good player. And he had kind of taken the job from Adrian Martinez. Adrian was hurt. So it's kind of a thing that's happened with Kansas State quarterbacks the past couple of years. Adrian was the starter, got hurt. Will came in, kind of took that job, okay? And now Will was kind of losing his job to a true freshman, all right, a year ago. So that's why he was in the portal, and he was portalating to begin with. So it's one of those things where I'm curious to see how he plays because he's a good quarterback. But is he a national championship quarterback? We'll find out. All right, let's chat real quick about the 12-team college football playoff. Now, it was originally set up that the top six conference champions in America, highest rated six conference champions in America, would get automatic, automatically get in the playoffs, and the next top six rated team, six at large, wild card, whatever you want to call them teams, would get the next six bids. And the top four conference champs would get first-round buys. Now, they've changed that to the top five conference champs in America, get automatic bids, and the top four conference champs get the automatic uh, one through four seeds, first-round buys. And, you know, it's interesting. I was like, when is this going to happen? Because it's got to happen at some point. Because you're going to assume the Big Ten and SEC champ are in. And then you're going to assume probably the Big 12 champ in Arizona, Utah, which, no disrespect, but eventually that's going to get changed because a team like Arizona, Utah, people don't envision in their minds them being a top four team with an automatic first round buy. Then you got an ACC team. You know, if Florida State's good again, great. If not, who else steps up? Clemson ain't been Clemson. They've still nine or 10 wins a year. Man, expectations. They're a phenomenal thing. I will say this, Dabo Sweeney better learn to adapt to the modern age of college football. He's going to be that guy who toppled uh, Nick Saban in the national championship game, battled him multiple times. They were clearly the two college football programs that were on top for many years. He might find himself without a job at some point, which is almost insane for me to even think about considering the success that he's had. But he's got to adapt. Okay. 
But who's going to come out of the ACC? Is it Florida State? Probably the favorite right now. There's always hope for Miami, but they're always talented, and the turnover chain is cool, but they're never consistent. All right, North Carolina showed flashes last year, had an end, a, a tough end to their season. By the way, these are all teams that I'm talking about right now that might be in the Big Ten and SEC soon. Okay. okay. But it was like, all right, so let's say it's Florida State. Let's say it's Utah or Arizona. Let's say it's a Big Ten and SEC champ. Then your next two automatic conference champs were probably going to come, what, from the AAC? Not to be confused with the ACC, the Mountain West, the MAC, the Sun Belt, Conference USA. Where were they going to come from? So I figured we were going to narrow it down to five conference champs getting automatic bids at some point, point. they finally did. So the format going forward, top five conference champs in America, highest rated, okay, automatic bids, top four, get the first round buys. Then you get the next seven highest rated teams at large bids, wild card teams, whatever you want to call them. That makes more sense because I saw a preseason college football uh, prediction can't think of the word thing where they had Boise State getting in and they had who was it out of the AAC it wasn't Memphis I forget who it was it might have been Memphis out of the AAC getting automatic bids in the college football troll team playoff and I was like automatic bids okay that's weird so this makes a little bit more sense all right now let's get in got about a few minutes left in this show I've gone way over time but it depends on how you look at it. When I'm talking football, when I'm talking sports in general, I can always make time. I love doing this stuff. It's not even a real job. Can't believe I get to do this. All right, here are my top 10. Okay, this point in time right here, right now. Big 10 players heading in to the NFL draft, the 2024 NFL draft. Now, this first guy, probably the most polarizing guy in the draft, talking about polarizing, Caleb Williams, USC quarterback. This is a guy that I've seen NFL scouts anonymously on social media be quoted as saying he's a bust, end quote. You got the fingernail paintings. You got all these things. And I chatted last week about how some of these things can be a distraction and maybe he'll slide down the draft boards due to this. And I brought up names like Colin Kaepernick and I brought up names like Tim Tebow. Whether you agree or disagree with what they were standing for, the fact is, they be, it became a huge, gigantic distraction. Guys who won games in the NFL. Guys who won playoff games in the NFL. I'm going to tell you right now, NFL teams don't want those distractions. It detracts from everything else. So you better be better than Michael Jordan if you're going to be a gigantic distraction. Okay. Hope that made sense. I guess Dennis Rodman wasn't better than Michael Jordan, and he was a Dennis Rodman-type distraction, and teams figured out a way to make it work. But you also needed guys like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen on that team to rein him in. So it's got to be the right team as well. So I think the team that um, Caleb goes to, a lot of people projecting the Bears. And I know Justin Fields just unfollowed the Bears on Facebook. Like, who keeps track of this stuff? I don't get an alert telling me that Justin Fields unfollowed the Bears. How do you know this? Do you go in and check all this crap every day? Goodness gracious. How does how do people have time to figure all this stuff out? Anyways, I digress. My point is this. It looks like he's going to the Bears. There's a potential he could drop if they decide he's too big a distraction. Maybe other teams let him drop. Right now, when you just look at the talent and ability, I got him number one, and I don't think he's a big enough distraction just yet that he's going to start sliding way down boards. Number two. 
Marvin Harrison Jr., one of the best wide receiver prospects we've had in a long time come out in the draft. Okay, this is a guy who his dad, Marvin Harrison Sr., absolute stud. Okay, anybody who watched the Colts back in the day knew that. He might be better than his dad, potentially. I mean, he, he he's a stud. He took over the Penn State game. He was the difference in that Penn State game. Penn State could not throw the ball in that game. Ohio State, Kyle McCord did not play well that day. Basically, what they did is they moved Marvin Harrison Jr. all over the field like a chess piece. Put him in motion. Put him inside in trips. Put him outside in trips. Put him off the ball. Put him off the ball in motion. Had him motion, then line up on the ball. Then put him in motion, had him line up off the ball. Ran drag routes, out routes, flat routes, corner routes, post routes. And basically, the, the entire game plan was to get the ball to him. And it worked. And he was the difference in that game. Penn State couldn't throw the ball. Ohio State, Kyle McCord struggled with some ugly passes, but he complete, complete, could complete it. Easy for me to say to that guy. And that's why they won. All right. Next up, Washington wide receiver, Romeo Dunze. Now, this was a guy, if you watched him throughout the year, not a lot of people watched Washington throughout the year. I wasn't as surprised as some other people were at how they spanked Texas in the CFP. Uh, I was hoping they'd play Michigan a little better. Okay, Michigan's pretty good last year. I guess that's what happens when you don't play anybody. You're really, really fresh for the playoff. <clears throat> I said it. He had 92 catches, 1,604 receiving yards, and 13 TDs. Now, he's not... He's not as good as Marvin Harrison Jr., in my opinion, but man, he's really good. These are two, two, two really good wide receivers. If you can get either one of these guys, I'm just going to read you what a scout said. And I quote, Odunza, Odunze is a, is a silky smooth vertical wide receiver who offers upside as a big play target down the field. You can't help but just appreciate his ability to track down the football in the air and adjust to the ball when it comes his direction and it complements his long strides to create vertical separation. End quote. In other words, you can throw the ball up to him on a fourth and short at the goal line, or when you got more field to play with, he can make a big play downfield. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Dude's a playmaker. All right, next up, Penn State offensive tackle, Ole Fushani. Now, this is a guy who has not played a ton. Now, he's got 21 career starts. That's not even two full seasons. Okay, only allowed one sack during the whole entire time. When you watch him on film, he has physical traits and footwork of an elite lineman. You can tell he's not played a lot of football. You can tell he's absurdly gifted, and he's only going to get better. This is a guy, it's scary how good he can be one day. He hasn't come close to reaching his ceiling yet. Now, when I kind of mocked out my top 10, regardless of conference, top 10 players heading the NFL draft, regardless of conference for them, we're from the Big Ten. I had a number five. Here I go. I'm going to surprise some of you. Not overall picks. This is the fifth, my fifth-ranked Big Ten player heading into the draft. Okay? And a lot of this is based on people I've talked to. This is a little bit of, I don't know if it's my opinion on this particular player, as it is things I've heard other people say. Because to me, he could have came back for another season and really upped his draft stock even more. But here's what pro scouts see. They see a tall, 
athletic guy with a big arm who has, with the exception, I mean, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Caleb Williams, those are probably the top three guys. Outside, outside of those top three guys, has by far the highest ceiling of anyone remaining in his position group. And that's J.J. McCarthy. All right, now, when I looked online, I saw him projected to actually go number 11 to Minnesota. We'll see if that pans out. They got Kirk Cousins. They got that whole ordeal they're going through with Kirk up there at the Vikings. They're going to re-sign him, whatever. But yeah, I got him going ahead of Bo Nix and Michael Penix. He's the youngest of all these quarterbacks and of all these first-round quarterbacks. Okay? He doesn't have the stats. He didn't have to have the stats, which makes him the biggest question mark. But any good NFL coach is going to see talent and be like, I can develop that guy. Otherwise, they don't have the confidence and they shouldn't be coaching in the NFL. Here's my point. He probably has more potential upside than most of the quarterbacks in this draft. But in my opinion, definitely Michael Penix and Bo Nix, who are incredibly talented guys in their own right. Okay. I just think Bo Nix has a little bit lower ceiling than the three quarterbacks I just mentioned, J.J., uh, Michael Penix, and Bo, but he's incredibly efficient. The hesitation with Michael Penix, I'll just tell you right now, is, is the injuries. Okay, is the injuries. And all the years of college football that he played, he only had two where he, he, he made it through the whole year, healthy. He's got ACL issues, multiple ones. And so that's why a guy who can run, if you watch him when he runs, he can run, but he never runs. And that's why. All right, next up, number six on my list, Troy Franklin, wide receiver, Oregon. Now, he's one of the draft's fastest risers, okay? A top 10 last year in the FBS in receiving yards and touchdowns. He's a big play type wide receiver, okay? Like I said, this is a really good wide receiver draft class. Next up, Cooper Dijon, defensive back, returner from Iowa. This is a guy who can play corner. He can play safety, a sure tackler. Now, he got hurt and didn't finish the year. And he still earned the Big Ten Defensive Back of the Year and Return Specialist of the Year Award. This is a guy, it felt like he was like three-fourths of Iowa's offense until he got hurt this year, okay? This is a guy who can make a difference as a returner. He can play multiple positions, and he's a stud at multiple positions on defense. He's a difference maker. All right, number eight, I've practiced this, and I hope I do this name justice, Latu Latu, all right? Defensive end from UCLA. Now, in my opinion, he's probably the top interior lineman prospect in this draft. He had a great senior bowl. Great senior bowl. Also, one of the youngest players in this year's draft. At, uh, or at the senior bowl, he was the one of the youngest players and also one of the youngest players in the whole entire NFL draft at the age of 21. Now, I at the senior bowl, I was there with a guy named Amobi Okoye, D-tackle from Louisville. He was the youngest player to ever be drafted in the NFL. He was 19 years old, the first ever teenager. Think about that. You got a teenager at home. Think about that. First ever teenager to be drafted in the NFL draft. Number 10 overall to the Texans. This dude was very mature for his age, which he'd have to be. My gosh, I wasn't mature at all when I was a teenager. I'm 39 and I'm barely half mature. I'm, I'm, when I coach my kids' teams, I make the joke, don't worry, hey, pay attention. I'm going to keep this post-game speech short. Not for your attention, for me. I got a shorter attention span than you kids do. And that, that's true. They all know it's true. I'm going to keep those post-game speeches short. And that's why. But he, he was mature for his age. He played really good at the Senior Bowl, and I would have never known he was 19. Had, obviously, I knew it because it was everywhere at the time. But uh, I'll never forget watching a 19-year-old play at the Senior Bowl, and get drafted in the top 10 in the NFL draft. All right, 
Last two. About to round out this show here. Quarterback from Washington, Michael Penix Jr. This is a dude who shocked people who had not been watching college football as a whole when he sliced and diced and dissected a young Texas secondary. Here's the deal. In that Texas game, they have a gr- probably the best defensive tackle duo in the entire country last year. One of the best D-lines. Okay, A D-line that terrorized Alabama okay, on the road when they when they beat Bama at in Bama's house early in the season. Didn't hardly phase Michael Penix. He got rid of the ball quick. He got it out fast. Now his receivers were open, and he had three NFL receivers on that roster, but he had to make the reads. He had to make the throws. He had to do it quickly, and he had to do it now. He had to do it with arm strength and accuracy, and he did it. And the few times Texas did come free, he'd go to his check down, boom, just like that. Now, the hesitation is the injuries, like I mentioned earlier. He did not look good against Michigan. Do one thing for me. Name one quarterback that looked good against Michigan last year. Now, he would have helped himself, and he got the crap beat out of him in that Michigan game. He walked off that field a very different man than he did walking off the field versus Texas, and it wasn't just about the scoreboard. Michigan was legit, legit on defense, legit pass rush, just legit. Now, he would have helped himself a lot had he just looked like an average quarterback in that Michigan game because it's hard to figure out. Was he just not that good? Was Michigan just really that good? Was it a combination of both? Because he soared up drafts, draft boards after the Texas game. And then I know he leveled way off, so to speak, after the Michigan game. The people who had him soaring after the Texas game had not watched him all, at all this year. I was not surprised at all. I was surprised Texas didn't get to him more. But I wasn't surprised when he had time that he got rid of the ball as well as he did. Against Michigan, I knew it would be a lot tougher. I was hoping he'd have more success. I thought he would have more success. He obviously did not. Not consistently anyways. But this is a guy who could easily go first round. I could see him potentially dropping just with some of the concerns. But I do see him going late in the first round, probably. All right, last, number 10, Big Ten player on the early going into the NFL draft board per Adam Carriker's Bo Nix. This is a guy, when you talk about efficiency, I mean, if you want a guy who can come in and probably be ready to start day one as, as much as anybody, I mean, he set the career record for starts and the FBS was 61. I think he played 92 seasons of college football. I remember watching his first game he ever started at Auburn. I don't think my son Jacob, who's 14 now, was born yet. I do. I remember watching. It was at my in-law's house. It was in the basement. That was a heck of a game. It was one of those early um, neutral site games. I forget who they were playing. It's not the one where they got killed by Georgia. <laughs> that, that, that was a different game. But this is a guy with a lot of experience, very efficient. He also set the FBS record for completion percentage. He broke Mac Jones's record, the former Alabama quarterback. Bo Nix did by completing 77.45% of his, 45% of his passes this year. This is a guy with experience. This is a guy, and I'm not saying he's not talented. I mean, are you kidding me? He's talented. I just don't think his ceiling is as high as a Michael Penix. I also think his floor isn't anywhere near as low as a Michael Penix or a J.J. McCarthy. Okay, those are the two quarterbacks in the draft that I think have a really high ceiling, J.J. and Michael and also have the lowest floor, potentially, because there's the biggest question marks about them. You could say that about Caleb Williams as well. You could say about any quarterback. There's no guarantee you know, when it comes to drafting players. That's just part of the draft process, and that's why some teams are really bad year after year because they're really bad at it. And there's the same teams that tend to draft lower, tend to always draft lower because they tend to evaluate prospects better, and they tend to win more games, so they're always drafting lower. And The teams that always draft high tend to usually keep drafting high because they're not very good at evaluating prospects. 
How do you always have a top pick, one of the top picks, and yet you don't get better? That blows my mind. I kind of just explained it. My point is simply this. Bo Nix is a guy, like, if I'm the Niners, he might be a guy that I'm eyeing. And, I, and nothing against Purdy, all right? Um, Brock Purdy. This is a dude that's a really good quarterback. But, and he played well in the Super Bowl. He answered a lot of questions in the Super Bowl. But to me, the Niners have, along with the Eagles, the two best rosters in all of football. And remember, the Eagles were 10-1 and after their first 11 games this year. Then they fell off a cliff. 10-1. and And then they won one game the rest of the year and got embarrassed on the road by a pretty good Tampa Bay Bucks team in the playoffs, but not great. Okay, Tampa went up to Detroit and fought the Lions really hard, so I got respect for that. But the Eagles and the Niners have the two best rosters. And the only question mark I have about the Niners is their quarterback position. And maybe Purdy is the long-term answer. Again, he answered a lot of questions in that Super Bowl. They did not lose that game because of him. Their first two drives, he looked great. Not good, great. Before Spagnola, the, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, made some adjustments. It's not his fault McCaffrey fumbled on that first drive. They were going in to score. It's not his fault. They had 14 million penalties on the second drive, which stalled the drive. The 49ers easily could have had a 10 or 14-point lead right out the gate, and they didn't, and it wasn't his fault. That being said, he's still the biggest question mark on that team. And I see a Bo Nix potentially being, being a guy that could come in and compete and let the best man win. And I'm not a Niners fan. That's just a team that pops into my head. They're a team that's going to be drafting late, obviously, in the first round. Bo Nix could be a late first-round pick, maybe take it higher, mid-first round, who knows? Could be a good fit. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been one of the longer Big Ten shows I've done in a while. I guess when I don't have a co-host, I just talk more. <laughs> like I said, I don't have a real job. I get to talk sports. All right, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, have a phenomenal day. And it's been the Big Ten Show with Adam Carriker. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.